Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Chapter number six, Matthew chapter number six, and, uh, and let's read the word of God. Now, how many of you deal with worry? You ever worry over finances? How many of you worry today over finances? <laughs> this is going to be good. Hey, do you know what? I, I this month of just trying to help us maybe get on, on, on track, get our eyes in the right place about finances and so on. And we're all going to struggle, right? It's, it's, a, it's a reality. But I find it very interesting that Jesus really took time in Matthew chapter 6 to deal with this matter of worry and finances in a very practical way. So I believe this is going to be help to us. So uh, please do not have up any defenses like, you know what, we're, we're in church and we're talking about money. Well, you know what, let's just put that aside and let's just enjoy what Jesus, Jesus was giving this to people like us. And uh, do you know what, does Jesus know? So does he know how to conquer your worry over finances? So let's give him an ear. You with me? Let's give him an ear. Let's listen to this as if it was the first time we ever heard him saying it to us, Okay. So Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 19, it says this, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let's read that verse out loud together. Ready, begin. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else... He will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon or money. Therefore, I say unto you, Jesus saying again, this is all his words, take no thought for your life. What ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not life more than meat and the body more than raiment, clothing? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit, it's about 18 inches, one cubit to your stature? Anyone want to be a little taller? Yeah? Like, man, I wish I could be just a little taller. You can't do it. 28. Why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day 
is the evil thereof. Let's read verse 33 once again together. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. You may be seated, and Brother Tom, would you just stay standing and ask God's blessing on our time together in his word. Amen. Thank you so much. So as we deal with this, I, I want us to realize that your finances and my finances are, are intensely a spiritual topic. It's not a physical topic, it's a spiritual topic. And through your finances, God is working to grow you. And even, yes, through your financial difficulty, God is working to grow you. And uh, we don't, you're not going to hear this morning a, a, a message that, uh, that, that uh, talks about uh, giving to get, uh, that's not the point in health, wealth, prosperity, and, you know, send, in, send it in and, and fill our coffers and, and, and so on. That's, that's not the point. But uh, what damaged those type of individuals have done to the, to the, the uh, action and uh, the, really the Christian discipline of giving is immense. Uh, you hear him on TV, you hear about it, you hear about all sorts of problems. I am thankful for the, the, uh, the policies, for the procedures here uh, at Grace Baptist Church. Even as we go into the future, uh, we, we will have reviews that allow us just to say, hey, we're doing things well and uh, we're, we're staying on top of it. I, appreci I appreciate all that, but you have a lot of, a lot of bad, bad names, bad reputation that goes along with this subject of giving. So don't let what, don't let what happened and happens in, uh, in worldly places or places that are, uh, you know, with preachers that are in it for their own, their own gain or churches that, in that. Don't let it rob you of the spiritual truth of giving that Jesus teaches here, that it does bring blessing into our lives. Not blessing like, hey, I'm going to get a new Lexus. Uh, bl um, blessing in the way that, uh, blessing from God, and yes, God does provide our needs. I, I can tell you so many times how God has provided and, and it's like, whoa, uh, that cost that much, but you gave, me, gave it to me at that, that price, and you just provide, and you, you, you care for the needs, and even, uh, even blessing uh, some of the wants. God is good in that way, but Jesus here deals with the subject of giving, so we, we really can't scoot it aside. In fact, here in the Sermon on the Mount, he deals with believers' attitude, witnesses, their response to one another, temptation, marriage, divorce, making oaths, forgiveness, enemies, fasting, investing internally, uh, worrying, judging, expecting prayer, uh, one way being to heaven, and that being through the Lord Jesus Christ alone, faith in him, false teachers, and the sure foundation of Christ as for our, our living. And so he, he says, uh, don't build your lives on the sand, build it on Jesus Christ. And if you'll build your life on Jesus Christ, and that means if you'll build your life on the word of God, the only inspired word of God, if you'll build your life upon this, there will be blessings. He speaks to all that, but right in the center of all those topics that he preached on. By the way, this wasn't a 20-minute message. Do you get it? Like there, There's a lot packed into what Jesus was saying there on the Sermon on the Mount. Guys, would you give me the, the picture so we all get a, a little glimpse? He's there by, near the Sea of Galilee at the, at the northern end of it, and uh, he's up there, you know, just a, a leveled-out area, pre, um, preaching and teaching his disciples and those that have gathered and communicating the wonderful truths here uh, on the Sermon on the Mount. And much of that uh, deals with uh, money right here in the center, chapter Number six opens up, and it talks about how when we give, we shouldn't even give with the mindset of, I want to be seen in my giving. I want to do it between me and the Lord. I want to do it in a way that honors him. I'm doing it for him, not to be known, not to, to uh, raise my status in the church. I'm doing it for him. And so what Jesus begins to teach in verse number 19 is this. He begins to teach us some principles that every single one of us really need to know, biblical Christ-centered, biblical principles that we should know. And I want us to realize that developing a biblical outlook on our lives really 
is, uh, is absolutely essential if you and I are going to please God, uh, if we're going to please him in the way that we deal with our, our finances. So we want to make sure that we are gathering these principles. So I'd encourage you to write down these and, and think about them. Uh, perhaps uh, you're, you're one that needs to meditate over some truths. Well, I'd encourage you this week to, to meditate over these truths. So first of all, let's understand that there are these biblical principles we should know. We want to develop that biblical outlook on our finances. And I want us to notice, look at verse number 19 with me, would you? Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal, but lay up treasures for yourselves, where? In heaven. Help me out. Where? In heaven. So we are to, we're not to lay them up down here. We are to lay them up in heaven. And then he says this, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Okay, so where I place my treasure, there is where my heart is and where it will stay. And so I want us to know this first principle is this, the placement of my treasure determines the location of my heart. The placement of my treasure determines the location of my heart. It, it, in one way, it reveals where my heart is. So what I, what I put my money towards it, and what I put my time and everything that is treasured in me, what I put my, my treasure towards is indicating where my heart actually is. It reveals it, but it also determines where it's going to stay. So treasure is all that we have from God. Do you have breath this morning? What are the rest of you doing? We all have breath this morning, thank God. We have, we have treasure. Do you have, do you have money? Do you, uh, do you have provision for this day? Do you have provision for right, right now? I'm not talking about for tomorrow. I'm talking about for right now. Do you have provision for this day? And those are our treasures. They're from God. Now, we can take that treasure and we can place it in one of two places. We can either place it on earth or we can place it in heaven. We can place it on earth or we can place it in heaven. It's that simple. Friends, this is, this is enormously important for us to grab a hold of. There is no other place. There are no other places that Jesus teaches us that we can put our treasure one is spiritual, one is, uh, one is physical. One is eternal, one is temporal. One uh, seeks to invest in uh, the matters of God, the plans and the purposes and the mission of God on earth and in others and helping them come along. The other is all focused in on my plans, my ambitions, my, my dreams, my pleasures, one of two places. You can't put it in another place. There's not a third option, one of two places, heaven or earth. And my question to us all this morning is, where are you accumulating your treasure? Where are you accumulating your treasure? Even as we think of treasure here on earth, earthly currency has an expiration date. Uh, even this year, we're noticing, huh, things are kind of getting more expensive, Right? You know, uh, you know that we, right now, as I understand it, we have the highest inflation rate since 1982. Well, I don't know about you, I haven't, I haven't lived through anything higher than this. You say you're just a young, uh, I know some of you lived and when it was sky, right? Before 1982, it was off the charts, right? Do you remember those days? How many of you remember those days? Okay, you say this is nothing. But you know what? This is something for many, many in this room. Never, never experienced this when they were paying the bills. And friends, as we think about that, money has an expiration date. Money isn't all gonna be, always going to be around. It, it, you can't put your faith in money. Even think about this, friends. I'm not against retirement. I'm not preaching in any way against uh, uh, saving up for the future. But what I, I am saying, if you place your faith in that, listen, uh, inflation can take much of that away, can it not? Hmm. Money is not trustworthy. You can stockpile it here on earth. You can stockpile it in all these different places here on earth. But friends, there's no guarantee that it will be there tomorrow. Well, we have FDIC. And you trust that. Now, I'm not, I'm not a guy that doesn't put my money in the bank, but you understand what I'm saying. Uh, th there is much that has been said that has been, that has been turned back on. Do you understand? 
And so what I'm saying is we cannot put our faith in uh, money here on this earth and laying it up here. We must lay it up in heaven, store it away, store those valuables for future use, store the energy of your life up in heaven, give it to God, store the money that God has blessed you with up in heaven. You say, how do I get it there? We'll talk about it in a moment, but much of it happens through this local assembly and through what God is doing through the church in, in the world today. That applies to us who are part of this church here today. If you're not a member here, we have not got, uh, 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 we are not wanting you here to just get an offering out of you. In fact, we'd rather you just walk out with a gift from us and, and, and just understand uh, we're not asking an offering of you today. This is kind of a home crowd message, but all of us can benefit from it. Amen? So as we think about that, God is telling us to lay it up. Actively, every day, we are commanded to lay it up. Is there a story in the Old Testament where we find a man laying up for the work of God beyond his life? Think about David. David wanted to build the temple. God said, no, you're a man of war. You can't. Uh, so your son Solomon's going to build the temple. What did David begin to do? He started to stockpile. Not for his own purposes, but for the purposes of God. My friends, uh, First uh, Chronicles 22 and verse number 14, we find that he stockpiled 113 tons of gold, 263 tons of silver, and 3,770 uh, tons of iron. We're talking enormous amounts of laying up. Well, he was rich, he could do that. No, friends, this is a lot, this is a lot of money. That he was laying up, preparing. Beyond that, he did a lot more, uh, a lot more things uh, in the preparation for the house of the Lord. Why did he do it? That's because his heart was there. His heart was set on one thing. In fact, we find... We find David say this, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Where was his heart? Is it any wonder that his finances were there? Is it any wonder that he gave so generously, so lavishly to the work of God? And so we see that, that where we place our treasure is where our heart is going to be. Where it is, where it's going to stay, it's there. It reveals something about us. Where are you placing your treasure? And what does that reveal about you today? Can you grow? This sermon isn't meant to beat you over the head. No way. Not at all. But let's grow forward. Let's grow to be more like Jesus Christ. And so maybe you say, well, I understand the importance of accumulating it up in heaven, but boy, I look around, there's so many things that I want. I just My heart's just so fixed on these things. And so I want us to realize, what does Jesus say next? He begins to deal with our eyes. Our eyes, friends, everything you have purchased in the past week, everything that you kind of start uh, letting your heart move towards, uh, it begins with the eyes, does it not, right? Now, uh, sometimes it might begin with a smell or something like that, but um, by and large, eyes, okay? So what, what, do, the, uh, what do they do on TV? Uh, they, they have those fast food restaurants. Uh, they, they put the advertisements on there, and uh, they always look amazing on, in the advertisements. Are you with me? always look amazing. And so, uh, if you'll forgive me, I just have a dry mouth this morning, and that's just what I have to do. But they always make it look just, just totally amazing. It's glistening, right? And your eyes drawn in. I want that. I want that. That ice cream looks amazing. And, and whatever it is that, uh, that they've put out there. And so I want us to realize our eyes are a big part of where your heart's going to be what's going to happen in the attitudes of your heart. And so here's the other principle I want you to have this morning. The focus of our eyes sets the affection of our hearts. The focus of my eyes sets the affection of our heart. What did God say to us in his word? Mine eye affecteth my heart. Say that with me. Mine eye affecteth my heart. Do you, you realize why it's important this year that some of us would go up to Dearborn, Michigan and pass out some, uh, some uh, John and Romans up there with Pastor Josh Levesque? Do you, why, do you know why? Because there we're going to understand there's a need here in the city as the, the Dearborn Baptist Church begins to grow there and as it's just been started and there's a need there. Mine eye affecteth my heart. You get out and you begin to deal with people and start sharing the gospel and you realize I'm going to have more and more of a heart for this as I go along, as I get together with my church on Saturday to witness because mine eye affecteth my heart. 
uh, even last Sunday as we gave uh, and, and blessed the, um, Brother Treadway as he was here. Why? Mine eye affecteth my heart. My heart is moved because of what I see as a potential. Boy, I want to be a part of training Papua New Guinea, uh, Guinean uh, uh, preachers and, and uh, laymen and, and folks there to share the gospel and to take the gospel everywhere there. Mine eye affecteth my heart heart and it's so important that we understand the focus of our eyes will set the on the affection of our hearts now here the old concept he says the light of the body is the eye so they understood in ancient times they understood that that through the uh through the eyes there was light that came into the soul that's that's what affected the heart that's what affected so uh, if the eye was diseased the whole body would be dark the whole body would be without light so what Jesus is simply saying, if you have a spiritual disease in your eyes, and if you think over to uh, the book of Revelation, chapter number three, with the, the, uh, the church of Laodicea, what did he say? Hey, you need to anoint your eyes with eye salve. You aren't seeing right. You think you're rich, increased with goods, and have need of nothing, but you don't know that you're actually poor, wretched, and naked. And so their eyesight was wrong. Their spiritual eyesight was wrong. Sometimes we can think, well, I'm doing pretty good. Friends, have you asked God to reveal it? And so here we have it that the focus of my eyes is going to set the direction or the affection of my heart. And we are reminded of the, on the old children's song, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see, right? What do you give eye time to? Well, it's going to affect your heart. David understood this. Psalm 101 and verse number three, I will set no wicked thing before mine eye. I hate the work of them that turn aside. Now notice, it shall not cleave unto me. He understood that what he would look at would eventually cleave, but he says, nope, I'm not going to set anything wicked before mine eye, anything that displeases God, any dream, any ambition, anything, anything wrong before mine eye. Why? Because I don't want it to cleave to me. I don't want it to get to my heart. So where are your eyes this morning? Where are your eyes this morning? What are you longing after with your eyes? What are you focused on? Are you focused on the souls of men, Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost, or are you focused on mere temporal, physical, career success? And I'll say a little bit more about that in a moment, but I want us to, to really ask ourselves that question. Is my, is my focus on Christ, or is it on simply making a commission? Uh, I'm not saying making a commission is wrong. Is my, is my focus on obedience, whatever God says, or is it Leaning to my own understanding, what I observe to be right or what I observe to be wise and, 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 and good for my life. Where is your focus this morning? Listen, jobs are not wrong. Can I get an amen? In fact, God says if we do not work, we should not eat. And by the way, there's a great verse for our society today. Our society is running towards socialism, and it is an anti-biblical uh, teaching, anti-biblical style of government. It is against, why? We see our nation rejecting God. That is why we're bringing on anti-biblical thinking. Okay, socialism, um, basically, uh, take from those who work and give it to, uh, give it, spread it across. Friends, I understand there is abuses in every society. Why? Because there is sin. But God was the one who said, if a man does not work, he should not eat. Now, there are people that have disabilities. We understand that. And it used to be that the church was really the, 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 the ones that cared along for that. Now that's been shifted over to the government, right? And so it, it's gone full, full steam ahead. And we have a big problem in our society as we are beginning to see things change in our society. But God was the one who said, if a man does not work, he should not eat. All the loafing around that is going on in our society today as we, as we take in taking paychecks. Well, I'll just sit at home and play video games. It's godless. Now, we should expect it out of the ungodly, but it should not be the case for the believers. And by the way, you ought to thank everyone who's working, and uh, when you go into a place and they're short-staffed and all that, you ought to thank them. Don't, don't be upset with them. They're going to be slow. Thank God they showed up to work, right? Are you with me? Are you work with me? So friends, this is important. God, God is the one who, uh, who, who does give us the ability to work. Jobs are not wrong. God gave Adam a job right at the get-go. What was his job? Name all the animals. Tend the garden. He gave him a job. He gave him purpose. But here's the thing. When the job becomes my focus, it replaces God as my provider, and that is idolatry. And that's where a lot of Christians, the rubber meets the road for a lot of Christians. 
the job becomes a focus, and it is like a, a ring in the nose of Christians. I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this, and God is nowhere to be seen in that equation. Well, the society just says that I have to miss all three services a week. Have you asked? Have you said, it's really important to me that, my, that I'd be able to go and spend time in the house of God? Have you asked? But here's what most Christians do now. It's just a given. If I have to work, well, that's what I have to do to get money, so that's just what's going to happen. Friends, God is the one who still told us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. God is the one who told us to trust him, not the job. So you see the, you see the difference? The job is not the problem. It's where your trust is. Are you with me? It's where your trust is. What are you trusting in? Is it the job or is it the God who gave you the job? Here's what we oftentimes do. We take a gift from God, praise the Lord, he gave me a job, and then we use it to our own advantage or we allow that to become our God. Friends, I cannot urge you enough. Do not let your job, do not let your vocation, do not let your, your career path become your God. God can take it away in a moment. We don't know if we have this on this week left. You don't know if, you'll, if we'll be doing your funeral in here uh, over the next week. You don't know that. I'm not trying to be more, but the reality is it can be gone in a moment. And you know what? What they're going to do? They're going to fill your position with another person who wants a job. And you think, well, they just, I, I'm, I'm absolutely unexpendable. No. Probably before you're in the ground, they'll have another person. I'm serious. So our, we have to focus on our God, not the God that gave me the job, not the God that gave me the, the finances or the treasure. Where you focus, where you set your eyes, will be how uh, your affections are set in your heart. And I can't encourage us enough about this matter. Think about Balaam. Balaam had a great job opportunity. It was pretty, pretty lucrative. If you go back to Numbers chapter 22, he was going to get riches from King Balak of, of Moab. Really lucrative. He was going to get honor. He was going to get everything he wanted, prestige, fame. If he'd just go over and curse the Israelites. And uh, God said no. And he kept on, kept on praying about this thing, you know, just kind of trying to push open that door. He kept on going after it. God said no. And then finally God says, with, if those guys from Balak are still down there in the morning, you can go with them. Well, God knows, and so those guys were already on their way. And what does Balak on Balaam do? He gets on his, his donkey, and he goes, he goes after it. And he catches up with them. He's disobeying God all along. Why? His, his, his eyes are not on God, they're on money. And so he's going to do whatever he can to get that money. Do you see what I'm saying? Whatever it means... However it means for him to disobey God, he is going to disobey God because his goal, his affection is set on that money. And so that happens in the same in our lives. I've seen it so many times. God will begin to work in a person's life. They'll begin to make great steps for the Lord. And then the job they've always dreamed of came along. I, I, I cannot tell you how many times I've seen that same scenario play out. And you know what? It's a test from God that God allows in that person's life. Is that job that I've wanted going to be my, my God, little g, or am I going to trust in the God who's offering, uh, is allowing this to come through right now? There's a big difference, friends. So you see how our, our finances are really very, very spiritual in every single way. And so let's, let's take a, a, another thought here as we move along. Notice in verse number 24, I want you to read out loud with me that first phrase, no man can serve two masters. Once again, no man can serve two masters. And so here it is, you have, you have God saying, hey, where you're setting your eyes, what master you're setting your eyes on, your affection's gonna be there. Your heart's affection's gonna be there. And then he comes along and says, listen, I just wanna break it to you. Here's a principle, no man can have two masters. And here's what it is. The use of our money will indicate the devotion of our hearts. It's gonna indicate what we're really devoted to, who we are really serving. So who we're actually selling out or seeking after money with is gonna indicate who we're really devoted to. That's what Jesus is saying here. You're either going to be devoted to God or you're going to be devoted to mammon, money. You can't be both. 
Just like you can only store up hev- uh, treasures in heaven or earth, you can only be devoted to one God. You do not have the capacity to uh, worship multiple gods and to be devoted to w- multiple gods. And so he says, no man can serve two masters. By the way, uh, there is God, the God who made heaven and earth, the God who sent Jesus Christ to die for our sins, that, that God, Jehovah God, right? And by the way, Jehovah God, uh, who declares himself as the I am, Jesus himself in uh, John chapter 8 declared himself that I am, right? And you remember that? They all picked up stones to stone him. Why? Because he declared himself to be absolutely God. Praise the Lord that he is, the very God-man. And so uh, he is the one uh, who we, we are to be devoted to. So there is God, the God of heaven, and there are all these, these other gods that we can run after, but there's only two categories. God, big G, God, little g, gods. And he says you can only serve one. You can only give yourself to one. You can only, you can only be the servant to one. You're either going to hold to one, be devoted to that one, and hate the other, or vice versa, but you can only serve one. And the way that people, the way that you and I use our money, it indicates the condition of our heart, the devotion of our heart, where our heart is devoted to. And I just say this, that our pursuit of money and our spending of money oftentimes indicates and is a, is a loud scream that our heart is not as devoted to God as it ought to be. Just remember, it's a test of your, of your spiritual growth, where you are with God. And uh, even, even as you think, you know, we, we talk about stewardship and we talk about that all, all here, sometimes in our hearts it rises up, well, I, I'm giving all that I can. And immediately, and immediately in our hearts, we're not listening to God about it. We're, we're listening to our own understanding and we're, we're cutting God off. Friends, it's not devotion to him. It shows a heart condition towards him. Did he give you the money? Did he give you the treasure, yes or no? He can take it away, and he can bless you with more. It's all his, friends. It's all his. It's a choice, God or money. Uh, it's not a choice of uh, God or, and have no money or have money and, and no God. That, that's not the point. It's, it's where's your heart? Where's your heart? Who's your trust? In. If it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you'll serve, whether the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, say it with me, we will serve the Lord. Is that the declaration of your heart and your, and your family? We're going to serve the Lord, and that's going to be evident even in the way that we spend and use the money and the treasures that he gave us. We're going to serve the Lord. So the placement of our treasure determines the location of my heart. The focus of my eyes sets the affection of my heart. And yes, the use of our money indicates the devotion, what we're really serving, what my heart is after. It, it, it shows, it indicates my servitude. So what does Jesus do at this point? He's laid down some good principles here, and they're good because they came from Jesus. Amen? Notice, he says, therefore, verse 25, look at it with me. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought. Understand this, the believer's practice should be this. This is what Jesus is saying. That's what therefore is all about. The believer's practice should be this. Based on the principles that are from the Bible, from Jesus, the believer's practice should be this. What should a life of a believer look like? First of all, stop worrying about your needs. Trust God to provide. That's the message of verses 25 through 30. Stop worrying about your needs. Trust God to provide. Right now, there's some of you who need to hear that fresh and anew this morning. Stop worrying about that need. Trust God to provide. And in that, obey him and whatever he says, but trust God to provide. He is big enough to provide that need right now. Can I get an amen? Now, listen, we struggle in the private times of our lives with, with actually walking that out, with actually practicing that. I understand that. I've been there, and I, I'm there sometimes uh, uh, more often than I want to admit. And he's told us right here, therefore, take no thought. Now, what does this take no thought mean? It means stop worrying. Stop worrying. Now, he tells us here that we're to stop worrying three times. He tells us this. In this uh, passage, this part of the passage, he says there's five different things don't worry about. Your life. Well, am I going to be here tomorrow? 
Don't worry about it. Live this day as a gift from God. What if I catch a virus? Live this day. Live this day. Give it to God. By the way, you can stay, you can stay completely isolated and still catch a virus. Safety has become the highest goal even among some of God's people over glorifying God. If we really believe people are dying, then it behooves us to be growing in our soul winning more than ever. If everyone you meet has the potential of, of dying in the next month, right? If we, if we believe that, if we believe what we're, what we're thinking and what we're operating according to, then we ought to be growing like never before as soul winners. Stop worrying about your life. Stop worrying about your food. Well, what, wait a minute. I go into the stores and there's nothing there. Not nothing. You know what I'm talking about. These supply chain issues. Does God know? Did God feed what? Is it Elijah? I get these two mixed up. Elijah or Elisha. With a raven? Did God feed him with a raven? I mean, we have drones today. God can drop, God can do whatever he wants to do, friends, right? Uh, we don't need to be worried. It goes right along with that. What we drink, water supply, water supply. Uh, he says, don't worry about your body. Now, our culture is obsessed with our bodies, right? How it looks, how it appears. Um, it's amazing how much extra that, that our culture just pushes on us. If you buy this and you buy this shaper, you'll, you'll look fabulous and all this. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's just constant. And, uh, you know, goodness gracious, uh, all the things that you have to wear in order just to look, look good and to present a body that looks like something that came out of Hollywood or whatever. You know what I'm saying? No. The, the fact is, God says, stop worrying about it. Stop worrying. Your life is more than your body. In fact, your life is more than the clothes you put on your body. Now, there are, there are groups of people like us that gather together, and, you know, even as they come together on a, on a Sunday, the idolatry of clothing. You know, we gotta, we gotta put our best foot forward. God is not interested in that, friends. He calls us to modesty, and modesty is not just being covered. Modesty is also not drawing a bunch of attention to ourselves. Modesty. He calls us to that. But he says, I don't want you to be worrying about your clothing, fretting over your clothing. Uh, it's, not about, it's not about having the best of the best. Uh, friends, uh, you can get sucked up in the worldly mindset, the worldly philosophy. I've got to have all name brand. Well, I'm telling you what, you're going to have a hard time answering to God why your all name brand and, and your missions giving wasn't up. Just saying, we get so worried and consumed. He says, don't worry. Don't worry. Now, he doesn't say, like, uh, I advise you not to worry. He says, don't worry. Stop worrying. And that's a, that's a rebuke to us. He gives the illustration of the birds. I take care of them. They don't even work for their, uh, their work. You know, they don't build, build barns. They don't harvest. They don't even work for it. They, they have it. Heavenly Father takes care of them. Wow, even a sparrow. sparrow. When I was a kid, I used, to, I used to enjoy having a BB gun out in the, uh, out in the country. And uh, there weren't too many birds that were safe. Uh, I'm, I'm don't do that now. I'm confessing sins of my youth. But you know what? Even a sparrow that people kind of sneer at is a beautiful little creature that God gave life and God takes care of. Isn't that amazing? What about the lily? You ever looked inside one of those things? Jesus says, you look at the lily of the field, it just grows. You get there, and, and I don't know if you can see that, but even the little pollen dropping down on the, on the white petals. It is beautifully, beautifully clothed. God says, hey, I take care of that, and it's here one day and gone the next, and I pay that much attention to it. You think I'm not going to pay attention to you? You think I'm not going to pay attention to you? Now, right now, some of us need to answer that question right there, because we're dealing with something in our heart, and we've convinced ourselves, we believe Satan's lie, God doesn't care about this need I'm facing. Do you think God doesn't care about you. He cares for that flower. He cares for that flower. Jesus used that as an illustration. I'm just preaching his message. 
We need to stop worrying about our needs and trust God to provide. But Jesus also says, stop worrying about the physical and seek the spiritual. Look at verse number 31. Take no thought. Whoa, there it is again. Take no thought. What shall we eat, drink, be clothed with? Now notice what he says. For after all these things the Gentiles seek. What are the Gentiles? Those that are not a part of a group of people that are trusting in God. Okay, So he's generally referring to those that are unsaved. And he says, the unsaved world is constantly seeking after all those things. And they are. They are. They'll go, they'll go to the mall and spend $125 on a pair of pants. And wonder why they're stretched. Right? You, you with me? They're constantly seeking. Why? Because all these status symbols. Right? And so we have to make sure that we're not gaining a worldly uh, philosophy, thought process, and really following the world in the way that we think about clothing, about our food, about our drink, about all that. He says, I don't want you worrying about it. Don't be like them. And then let's read verse 33 again together. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Is God for real there? So he says, if you'll stop looking at the physical and look at me, I'll take care of the physical for you. Now, isn't that a wondrous promise? I mean, doesn't that just bless your day on this, this almost last day of January that God says, if you'll focus on me, if you'll give attention to me, if you'll give priority to me, I will take care of your needs. If I focus on the spiritual, I will have enough. I will have what God wants me to have. Now, sometimes people go to this verse as an argument. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse number 8, but if any man provide, any provide not for his, uh, for his own, and especially of those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. All right, let's balance this out with scripture. What's God saying? I will provide for you, but if a man's sitting down on the couch and not, not getting up and doing anything because he's just being a, a, a lazy guy, you can just be guaranteed that God's perspective on him, he's worse than an infidel. Why? Because God was the one that said, if a man does not work, he should not eat. So God does value work. But as we work, we have an eye towards our God who provides all things. Would you take this job that you've given me? Would you take the strength that you've given me? And would you provide for the needs of my family? And what, what I want to I want to say to every guy here today and every person that has a job and you're trying to provide and keep the bank account up for your family, for your provision, just remember this. Providing for your family will always be a faith venture. It's either going to all be on you and you're going to walk by sight. But in God's economy, providing for your family will always, always, always be a faith venture. And we have to stay there. Stop worrying about the physical. Seek the spiritual. So right now, there might be some things that you've let off in your walk with God or in your service towards God. And it's time to rekindle that and say, God, uh, starting on this day, I'm getting back to that ministry. Starting on this day, I'm, I'm leading my family to church. Starting on this day, I'm, I'm giving back to you as you've told me to do. I'm not going to uh, focus on what I don't have physically. I'm going to focus on who I have in my God. And I'm going to trust that he'll give me everything that I need physically. I'm going to get back to that. Promise is all things shall be added unto you. Do you believe that promise? Now, we said at the beginning of the year, we, we have this phrase that's kind of rolling around. I've got this or God's got this. He's got this, right? Okay, same way. I'm the provider or God's the provider. I'm the provider or God's the provider. We're not going to see and experience the conquering of Christ in our finances and worry over our finances until we admit the fact that he is the provider of everything that we have. Um, Solomon is an illustration. Uh, the Old Testament is given as illustrations to us, right? Solomon put God first. God, uh, he put God's work first. And when God came to him and said, Solomon, what do you want? He says, I need wisdom to lead to his people that you've tasked me with, right? So what did God do? God gave him wisdom, abundant wisdom, more than anyone else. God gave him abundant wisdom. But friends, God also blessed him with riches and honor. Why? Because Solomon's heart wasn't there. Solomon was seeking eternal things. He was seeking spiritual things. I just want to please God and I want to lead the children of Israel well. So Solomon was seeking spiritual things and God blessed them with physical you see that? 
What a beautiful illustration. What a beautiful illustration. The other hand, there was a, a group of people called the Israelites. They were sent back uh, to build the temple uh, out of captivity. They were sent back uh, to build the temple. Zerubbabel was, uh, was there, and they were supposed to get this done. They, they got working. They got discouraged because there was enemies that came up against them, said, you know, laughed at them, uh, brought legal allegations against them, and they stopped the building of the temple for 15 years, and they walked by the foundation of the temple for 15 years. 15 years. They're walking by the house of God, not meeting there. They are just walking by it. But while that's going on, they're building their houses. They're going to Lowe's and Home Depot and Menards and so forth, buying faucets and drywall and so on, right? And they're sealing up their houses. They, yeah, there you go. They, they are going, they're going there, and they are, they, are, they are making their homes. God's house is lying in waste. They, they, they travel past it. Boy, they might even be telling their grandchildren, their children. We, we, we used to do that, but then the, the lawyers came along and told us we need to stop. Uh, the government came along and told us we need to stop doing what God told us to do. So they got discouraged. Until God sent this man Haggai into his life, into their lives, who I, I like to lovingly call an evangelist, who said, what in the world are you all doing? God has told you to build this. And so Haggai chapter number uh, 1 and verse number 4, it is time for you, O ye, to dwell on, to dwell, is it time for O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, while this house lie in waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord, consider your ways, and notice this, I want you to catch this, I want you to catch this, ye have sown much, and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but ye are none, there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to be put into a bag with holes. Friends, let me apply that into our lives. We get all focused on the physical, and we say, I gotta go take this job. I gotta get that overtime, even though it means disobeying God in another area of my life and reprioritizing my life around a job and not God. And in that moment, we think, I'm gaining. I'm getting more money. I'm getting more. I'll have enough to provide for my family. And God says, you put it inside of a bag with holes because you made the job the trust not me. It's a pretty serious day there for all, all the Israelites. To realize, you know, I've been, I've been really struggling here for a, a, a while, because, and I haven't had enough to eat, I haven't enough to feed my family, not enough clothes, and to find out it's because I put my trust in the wrong place. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. So when our priority is spiritual, God will take care of the material. For where God guides, he always provides. So that means we have a decision to make. Will I seek the kingdom of God first? I mean, that's, that's, just, that's just bottom shelf. Will I seek the, uh, the kingdom of God first? Am I going to obey and tithe to my God? Uh, am I going to seek to win souls? Am I going to make that a, a prayer? Am I going to uh, make disciples? Am I going to invest with what God has given me into others? Am I going to prepare with my church for the, for the harvest and, and just expecting God to bring that white harvest to, to us? Am I going to edify this body through our service? But wait a minute, it, it, it conflicts with some of my schedule. I'm going to ask God to work that out. I'm going to put my eyes on God and I'm going to do what he wants me to do first, trusting that he'll take care of the rest. Friends, I guarantee you, if you begin to place God first, everything in your home will fall in line. It will. God will take care of it if you'll put him first. If you'll put him first. Put him first financially supporting our missionaries like we got to um, bless um, the Webbers last week. Uh, giving yourself to prayer. Well, I don't have time. No, giving yourself to prayer. Will you prioritize your life around the things of God? That's what God's calling us to. That's what Jesus is saying. It's really simple when you come down to it. One thing, seek first the kingdom of God. God will take care of all the rest. So if we can get that, that spiritual activity down, that spiritual discipline down, friends, we will, be, we will be so far ahead. So far ahead. One last thought here. What is Jesus telling them? Now, stop worrying about your needs. Trust God to provide. Stop worrying about the physical. Seek the spiritual. Seek God first and his kingdom first. But stop worrying about the future. Obey God's will today. You know, many are paralyzed by what's going to happen in the future. 
well, we've got to prepare. You know, we don't know what's going to happen financially. I'm not saying we don't prepare. Proverbs talks about that. But the difference is putting your trust in your preparations or trusting the God that can enable you to um, be okay in the future. Big difference, right? So stop worrying about the future. Obey God's will today. What is God telling you to do today? Well, I could never do that. Friends, then you're never going to know the triumph of Christ in worry over worrying in your finances. We must learn to obey him. Take no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Worrying just indicates, why? I don't have much faith. Isn't that what he said a little, little up in the, the passage? Oh, ye of little faith. I don't have faith. Malachi, I've mentioned this the last time we were together. Malachi 3 and verse number 8 tells us and asks us this question first. Will a man rob God? Yeah, ye have robbed me, but ye say, wherein have ye robbed me? In tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation, bring ye all your tithes into the storehouse, that it, there might be meat in mine house, and prove me now, test me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Do you know what? Malachi is saying the same thing that Jesus was saying in Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God, do God's will first, obey him first today, and he'll take care of the rest. He'll take care of the rest. He promises that. He promises that. Uh, some say, well, we live in the, the New Testament age, so there's, there's no tithing, we just grace giving, so that means I can give less. Friends, you will not give by grace less than what God commanded us in the Old Testament. God's grace is abundant. If anything, we should be giving more and more to, unto God and to his purposes in this world. And so if, if that is our argument, that, 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 that is a, an argument that really does not stand very well in the sense of, if, if I look at God who gave me everything at the cross, then how could I not give him everything? Uh, he deserves 100% back, but he allows us to keep. And he said in the Old Testament, even before the law was even established, there was, there was the practice of tithing. Even back to Abraham, there was the practice of tithing. And so what is tithing? It's simply giving 10% off my gross income uh, to the Lord. Why? So that there might be meat in his house, sustenance, provision in his house. That's what God calls us to. And he says, if you'll do that, I'm going to open up the windows of heaven right there. I mean, we're not even talking about free will offering. We're just talking about just obeying God in the tithe. He says, I'm going to open up the windows of heaven, and I'm going to pour you out a blessing. Sometimes we don't realize how many things that God, it might not always come through uh, an extra amount in your paycheck. It might come through God saving you money. It might come through God providing something for you that you've been needing, but it was too expensive to buy. But God will take care of you, and he absolutely will. So one man said it, and I would encourage you to read the treasure principle by Randy Alcorn. The, the more you give, the more that comes back to you. Because God is the greatest giver in the universe. He won't let you outgive him. Go ahead, try, see what happens. See what happens. Test God. Test God. That's what he says right here in Malachi. Test him. Test him. Now we find in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, he says that he that soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly. And he that soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. Every, every man according as he purposes, he chooses in his own heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And what is God saying? He's simply saying to you and I, hey, I want you to give back to me. I want it to come from a cheerful heart. I want you to be happy as you do it, knowing that I will provide. Again, Randy Alcorn said in his book, The Treasure Principle, God prospers me not to raise my standard of living, but my standard of giving. He's not giving just to give to you. He's giving. So how can you give to others? How can you be a channel of his blessing to others? And so here's the thing. We really need to just come down to this. We must simply obey the words of Christ. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. You're not going to have all these things added unto you until you first take that step into the water and trust him. Well, I could never afford to tithe. You can't go on any longer not tithing. Because little do you know it, you are bringing, you are bringing spiritual hurt into your own soul. Because God, God has said that. Friends, God has told me to tithe. I have... I have People every once in a while, you're a pastor, well, you don't have to give. No, no. Pastors, pastors are under the same instruction from Jesus as we all are. So you can't afford not to tithe. 
God has told you to, and he promised that he would bless you. And I, I'm going to urge you in obedience in this way. Adrian Rogers said it this way. God doesn't, get, uh, doesn't need us to give him our money. He owns everything, doesn't he? Tithing is the way that God grows Christians. Tithing is the way that God grows Christians. He's testing us. Are you willing to give back to me part of what I've given to you? It's like you give children a snack, and we call it the daddy tax or the mommy tax. You know, we get a, we get, we get a gummy bear or whatever, and, uh, and sometimes they're like, no. We do that to God all the time. Well, hold up. I went to the store, and I bought that. No, it's mine. Uh, you got this all wrong. <laughs> you really got this all wrong, and so don't we with God. Tithe. No, it's mine. Do you know that I provided that for you? No, it's mine. Friends, do you see how, how in many ways we're just big, big grown-up children? Right? And all God has told us to do, he's told us to honor him and to give back to him. So here's what I'm urging us to do, and this is going to be a little bit different. We will have a time of prayer. But I want to urge you in this way. I've talked to you before about the 90-day tithe challenge. Now, this is for people that aren't, aren't doing it. Um, and by the way, you say, you looked at who gives here. No, I don't look at who gives here. I don't know what you give and how much you give. I don't know that. It, it, it would make it incredibly hard to preach to you in this way if, if I knew that. So I just, I don't, okay? Um, thankful for our deacons and, and uh, our finance crew that helps w- with all that. But uh, friends, if, if you're not tithing yet, could I, could I suggest a challenge to you? God already submitted a challenge. Prove me. Prove me, right? So here, here, I, I challenge you to tithe on everything that God gives you, 10% off the gross, over the next 90 days. You keep track. Keep track of what you give. And if God doesn't come true on his promise, then we can give you your check back. But the honest truth is, the honest truth is, that God will provide. And I know that, and that's why I can say that. But you take the challenge. You say, I've never done it before. I urge you to take the challenge. Number two, I want to encourage you next Sunday. Let's all begin next Sunday. February 6th, start a revival. Let's bring our tithes into the storehouse. Everyone obey. Everyone obey. Let's, Let's obey. Let's obey God. I'm not the one that's told you to do this. I'm simply a messenger from God. If you're reacting in your heart right now, you're reacting to God and not me. And so as we think about it, let's, let's give back to God. And friends, I can't just underscore it enough. If you want to see my, if you want to see my giving, go ahead, have at it. Um, maybe some of you have walked further and you give even, uh, even more. I, d- I don't know. I honestly don't know. But the fact is, I, I'm not preaching to you as not doing this. And so as we, as we do this, I want to encourage you uh, in everyone participating together. And then on April the 3rd, April the 3rd, uh, I mentioned a couple weeks back that we would do a sacrifice offering that we'd come together and have a special offering towards our, and towards our vision for this year and to helping. Got to talk to someone about the, the flooring down this wing this, on this week and God's, God's even providing heavily discounted, heavily discounted material uh, for that. That's pretty awesome, just getting that, uh, that ball rolling and, and other things. God, God allowed us to switch, uh, s- uh, switch uh, one of our services this week, uh, you know, a, uh, a business service here and save us money um, annually. What, what a blessing. God, God is doing that for our church and we'll continue to trust him and we'll honor him as we walk forward by faith. So I want us to remember this 90 day tithe challenge. If you're not tithing yet, can I encourage you to do that? Uh, and then February 6th, let's all obey God together. And then April the 3rd, let's, let's, uh, let's come together, and we'll say a lot more about that as we lead towards that, but the conquerors through Christ offering, the conquerors through Christ offering. And so we have time here. I want you just to pray about that right now. I don't want you to uh, sweat over that. Let's take God one step at a time, all right? And all God's people said, amen. amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your help this morning. I pray that you would guide us in this matter of our finances. I need you to guide me. Lord, I, I want to obey you, and I know that the majority of folks here today want to obey you in the matter of finances. And so we pray that you would help us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm not going to ask you to come forward right there in your seats if you'd like to kneel. Would you just, if you just commit to the Lord, Lord, I want to obey you. I want to obey you. And uh, 
every, for every one of us, it's, it's different what God is calling us to do. He's called us all to tithe. He has done that. He does prompt our hearts to, to obey and give free will offerings. He does do that. He calls us to be invested in his mission. Yes, he does. Lay up treasure in heaven. He does all that. Friends, will you obey him? Will you obey God? I encourage you to maybe kneel there in your seat. Let's talk to God about this this morning. Lord, I will obey you. I don't see how it's going to work out, but I will obey you. I will obey you. It's always good to obey God. say this morning with an uplifted hand, Jesus' message helped me. In some area, Jesus' message helped me. Amen. Amen. Whatever God's doing in your heart this morning, just go all the way with him. If you need to talk about it, I'd certainly love to. Uh, certainly love to set up any, any time to talk with you about that. But just go all the way with him. You'll be glad you did. Father, we are intensely grateful for the fact that you don't just tell us to live the Christian life. You tell us specifically how to lift, uh, live it. And so we ask that you would help us, help us to be obedient to you in whatever you say. And I pray for each heart here that we would be responsive and not hard to your word. We love you. We love you. And we're really thankful for you and what you've done for us and dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you for being our Savior and our God. Thank you for the strength uh, to be here today. And uh, Lord, we just continue to lift up our, our sister Julia and Linda. Lord, we pray that you would hold them, encourage them, strengthen them. Lord, would you work uh, just physical wonders in their, in their lives to bring health back onto them? And I pray that you would be exalted in how you work in both of those situations, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Brother Caleb, if you'll come and give a few announcements.